0: It's interesting because
1: you're talking about, as you mentioned from the text, you know, these false apostles as well. You have false Jesus, false gospel, false apostles. And when it comes to the apostles, when they came and spoke, like like Paul talks about when he went to Thessalonica, when they came and spoke, they were speaking the words of God, and they were accepted it as Absolutely. such Eyewitnesses. In, in line with what the Old Testament had already revealed because, as Acts 17 says quite clearly, that even Paul himself, the apostle, was tested by what the Old Covenant had already right. declared, the
2: Breans, they, which is far yeah. different than the Certain church of the scriptures. Discourses. Daily to see if what he was saying was true, Amen. that's right. Deceitful workers, in fact, they would go to the Old Testament, right, Chad, daily, and it says they received the word of God readily because they were testing what Paul said. Notice Paul didn't say, ah, oh, you know what, where I, you know, the, new, the Old Testament's off, you know? No, he said the gospel that he preached, First Corinthians 15, is based on the fact that Jesus died according to scriptures, was buried, rose again according to the scriptures, and he commended them, and they're commended by Luke right there for testing them, as you're saying, Chad, but Mormonism, when you start comparing them to the scriptures, the same scriptures that the Bereans were using, right? They'll say, oh, you know, yeah, we're different. Yeah, yeah, there's a contradiction there. That's because the Bible's off. And and we've got the perfect book. It's like saying the counterfeit's the accurate when you got to test everything by the counterfeit, which is ridiculous. He says, I'm concerned. He says that these false apostles, these deceitful workers disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. Uh, They claim to be apostles of Christ. They disguise themselves. No wonder, he says, for even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end will be according to their deeds. Now, this is interesting because he's saying that Satan will come uh, with false apostles uh, bringing a different Jesus. And it's interesting, when you read the Book of Mormon, this is fascinating to me. In the introduction to the Book of Mormon, it talks about these three visitations of Moroni. When Moroni comes the third time, it says, after Moroni appeared a third time, then it says, and the cock crowed. I'm like, what in the world, man? It's like the devil leaving his footprints. I mean, when, and it's the third denial of who the true Christ is. Paul warned if an angel comes from heaven and preach a different gospel, right? So now you have this false gospel being presented by a, an angel just as Paul warned about, and, uh, and just as Peter denied the Lord three times, and it says the cock crowed. After this third denial takes place in the introduction regarding the visitations that Joseph Smith was la- allegedly happening, having, it says, the cock crowed. And I, I'm thinking, did Joseph Smith, I mean, when, when he gave that testimony, was he snickering and laughing like, these people are so so just foolish? Or if he wasn't, the demons were probably. Yeah. So we got this, now it's interesting here. Think about this, Chad. How did the serpent beguile Eve? So you go back to Genesis, you see something very interesting. Uh, he said, hath God said? He, and then he contradicted God's word, said thou shalt not surely die. He caused dispersion upon God's word. That's what Mormonism does. That's what every cult does, basically. They say, ah, your Bible, you know, it's it's got some truth in it, but we've corrected it. We've got, that's how Satan works, okay? Then what did Satan do? He also said, you shall not surely die, right? You shall shall not surely die. Well, in Mormonism, guess what? Even non-Mormons don't die. Everybody gets reconstituted, you know, Uh, except those few sons of perdition. Uh, So you have that lie. You also have access into uh, the tree of gnosis, of knowledge of good and evil, secret gnosis, to realize your divinity. So there's the secret gnosis in Mormonism, you have to get a temple recommended, you learn secret handshakes in the past and things like that. Oh, and also, Satan did it by promising them that they can become God. In Mormonism, you can become God. Come on, folks. And if you're you're Mormon, come on, don't you see the warnings there? And it's almost like a sad joke Satan's playing because the same lies have been regurgitated over and over and over again. And it's not that Satan isn't creative, he's creative with the ability that God gave him to be creative, but in an evil way, right? But he's found out that those things work over and over again because the appeals to our sinful nature to want secret gnosis, to believe that we can become God. That's how Satan himself had fallen. So when we talk about a different Jesus, uh, let me just, I'm going to read right now from President Hinckley, one of the Mormon prophets, former presidents of the church, uh, who fell in line later after Joseph Smith. He says, quote, the traditional Christ, the traditional Christ of whom they speak, meaning Christians, you know, the second person, of the triune Godhead, amen, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father. He says, it's not the Christ of whom I speak, okay? And that's LVS Church News, week ending June 20th, 1998. In fact, another leader, Milton R. Hunter, who wrote the Gospel of the Ages, which is esteemed in the Mormon church, he says the appointment of Jesus to be Savior of the world was contested by one of the other sons of God. So so Jesus was just one of the sons of God, not the only begotten son, right? He says, he was called Lucifer, son of the morning, haughty, ambitious, and covetous. Of, of, of power and glory. This spirit brother of Jesus desperately tried to become the savior of mankind. So Mormonism has actually called Jesus the spirit brother of Lucifer. That is a different Jesus. How do we know that's a different Jesus? Because Satan is a principality. He's the power, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, six 10 through 18. Uh, the scriptures in Colossians 1, 15 to 16 says that Jesus created all the principalities and powers. Uh, John chapter 1 says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything was made through him, and nothing came to being but by him. In other words, Jesus made Lucifer. He's not a spirit brother. He created the principles and powers. He created the angels. So Jesus cannot be the spirit brother of Lucifer in some preexistence. Also, they believe and have taught over and over again that Jesus was not begotten by the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 3, I think around verse 17, it says that Jesus was begotten by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh... Uh, You have the virgin birth, God uh, births, son of man, son of, you know, through Mary, son of God, through the Holy Spirit, who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, part of the Godhead. Uh, But it's interesting, they deny that. It's a different Jesus. In fact, we read here, and I think this is important, Brigham Young. Now, when you talk about BYU, Brigham Young University, the second, the most important of the Mormon prophets after Joseph Smith, he says this, and I have this, Journal of Discourses, Volume 1. In fact, when I open up Journal of Discourses, I'm talking to Mormons, that just opens that because they've opened it so many times. It said, and this is Brigham Young talking about who Jesus, their Jesus is, okay? And if you're going to reject what Brigham Young says here as a Mormon about Jesus, then you have to reject him as a false prophet. And then you, the whole house of cards falls. Uh, when the Virgin Mary conceived the child Jesus, Brigham Young writes, and this is page 50 and 51 from volume one of the Journal of Discourses. He says, when the Virgin Mary conceived the child Jesus, the father had begotten him in his own likeness. Now he means literally, okay? The the father, because he's a physical flesh and bone being, had sexual relations with Mary. He says, he was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. Do you catch that? Absolute denial of the word of God. He says, he was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. And who is the father? He is the first of the human family. And that's Adam, of course. And Brigham Young taught... We could do a whole show on Adam God where he caught taught over and over again that Adam brought one of his wives from the preexistence and he was the Adam that was there. And he says, he was the first, he says he was the first of the human family. Jesus, our elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden, and who is our Father in heaven. Now remember from this time forth and forever that Jesus Christ was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. This is not the Jesus of the Bible, brothers and sisters, if you're honest, okay? Jesus, our elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden and who is our Father in heaven. Now let all who may hear these doctrines. Now he knows a lot of people are going to be, what? You know, they've got their King James Bibles Mormons and they're like, and now they've got the Book of Mormon now. And they're going to be like, wait a minute, that doesn't what the Bible says. And he knows a lot of people are going to say, wait, that's not from God, Brigham. But now he's going to try to scare them into following Mormonism. He says this, and that's exactly what he's doing. It's a, it's a technique. Let all who may hear these doctrines Pause before they make light of them, or treat them with indifference. For they will prove their salvation or damnation. So for Brigham Young, having the right Mormon Jesus would prove your salvation. If you rejected that Jesus, if you believed what the Bible teaches about him being begotten of the Holy Spirit, and you rejected the idea that Adam came and had sex with Mary uh, to, to to procreate Jesus, that would prove your damnation. You're saved if you believe in the Mormon Jesus. You're rejected if you believe in the traditional uh, Lagos, the Word of God, the Son of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and he's co-equal and co-eternal with the Father. So that's Brigham Young, clearly the second prophet, but most important prophet of Mormonism, uh, stating that. This is Ezra Taft Benson. When I was a new Christian, uh, he was the Mormon prophet. and would succeed other prophets. And this is an encyclopedia of Mormonism. He says, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints proclaims that Jesus Christ is the Son of God in the most literal sense. The body in which he performed his mission in the flesh was fathered by the same holy being we worship as God, our eternal father. Jesus was not the son of Joseph, nor was he begotten by the Holy Ghost. Bruce McConkie, Mormon Doctrine, it's a, it's, a, it's a standard for Mormon doctrine, very popular book quoted among Mormons because he's a Mormon apologist. Bruce McConkie says, "Quiet Christ was begotten by an immortal father in the same way that mortal men, in the same way that mortal men are begotten by mortal fathers so uh and another thing so we've talked about spirit brother lucifer we've talked about how he was begotten by physical means or by the holy spirit and then another thing it's not jesus jesus isn't the only way truth and he said on the way the truth of life no one comes to the father but through me uh john 14 6 first timothy 2 5 there's only one mediator between god and man the man christ jesus amen who gave himself as a ransom for all verses five and then six right uh, Jesus says, "I am the door. If someone comes another way, same as the thief and liar." John chapter ten, verse one, and then verse nine. Uh, we have there's only only one name under heaven whereby he must be saved, right? Acts chapter four, verse twelve. Uh, Given under heaven whereby he must be saved. Uh, Hebrews chapter two it, it warns very very clearly that uh, if you forsake Christ, you know uh, he's the only means of salvation. How you know it warns about slipping away from the. Message of salvation, and if you become apostate, there's no other no other way to have cleansing for sin. Hebrews ten. So check this out. We read in uh, Be what Brigham Young again, second prophet. No man or, or woman in this dispensation will ever enter into the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. So now there's not one meter, there's two meters. Every man and woman must have the certificate of Joseph Smith Jr. as a passport to their entrance into the mansion where God and Christ are. Brigham Young says in Journal of Discourses, Volume 9, uh, page 312, which I have, quote, He that confesses not that Jesus has come in the flesh and sent Joseph Smith with the fullness of the gospel to this generation is not of God, but is antichrist. So now he Corruption adds the scripture. Yeah. Corruption of first John two. And I'll just quote one more. Uh, if we get our salvation, we shall have to pass by him, Joseph Smith, if we enter into our glory. Same thing.
1: Yeah, and outside of the Journal of Discourse is a lot of the stuff that he's even quoting from, whether Mormon do- doctrine or the history of the Church or even the Quad here where you have the Pearl of Great Price, Doctrine and Covenants, the Bible, and the Book of Mormon. These
2: are a lot of their books. And you have the Quad up top, I yep, see, Chad. I got the Quad up top. Including Joseph and, and Smith's translation of the Bible, where he adds and takes away to the Book of Revelation, the very book that warns not to add or take away from it, Yeah, specifically. To and so these things are really important for you guys to get down
1: because it is important to recognize this isn't a difference in a, a doctrine that we're like, hey, we have some differences here, but this person, my Christian brethren, this is a difference in the person of Jesus.
2: Yeah, and I'm encouraged for you guys because this is going to be one of the most informative hour and a half that you'll ever hear on Mormonism because we hit it from so many angles hard.
1: Uh, I, I think that is really important. And Joe's already touched on the next topic we're going to discuss because we've talked about it's a different Jesus. So that was the topic of conversation when it comes to Dallas Jenkins and his view of Mormons and whether or not they are brothers and sisters in Christ, which is what he clearly stated. In fact, that's the hill that he will die on, is that they're worshiping
2: the same Jesus. he said he'll die on the LDS, that they're his brothers and sisters. Hill. We're going to die on the Jesus hill, Chad.
1: Yeah, we're definitely going to die on the Jesus hill. And one of the things that we want to look at is not only is this a different Jesus, but as you've already mentioned, when it comes to flesh and blood and so forth, and whether or not the Father is spirit versus a a body you've already talked about a little bit but let's go a little more into that let's dig into the fact that when it comes to mormonism even the father specifically not just the son is completely different in his nature than the god of the scriptures
2: yeah that's what you have to understand our god is the uncreated creator of all things right so brigham young can conflate adam with being our father because adam had a father and that father had a father and our God is Adam, according to Brigham Young, right? And of course, uh, true Mormonism taught that for some time. You say, well, they don't believe what Brigham... Well, that's a different animal now. They, they change with the times, just as they at one time uh, would it allow black people uh, to be part of the priesthood. And then after the civil rights movement was taking place, ah, revelation from heaven, the prophet gets... Now they're accepted. Yeah, that's right. We're going to believe that, right? Well, sadly, many say, yeah, they can put their finger there. No, it was really just God's timing. No, it's ridiculous. So it's interesting when they have... Adam being their father, it's because he's the father of this planet at that period of time when Brigham Young was teaching that, and you prove your salvation whether you believe this or not, and therefore, they believe Adam had a God that was further back, and they will father, and then that father had a father. So call it, it's called the eternal progression of the gods, where there's just a God of this world, and then, you know, we be, Mormons can become gods, and we can prospectively have our own planets and what have you. Uh, and it, it just gets really crazy, but it's contradicted by the Scripture because the Bible teaches such a, such a more far powerful truth—a truth, a truth a, the truth. That's not even a truth. It teaches the truth concerning who God is. Isaiah 43:10. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen, uh, that you may know and believe that I am. That before me there was no God formed; neither shall there be after me. There is no God before God. There is no God after God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's without beginning of days. The Bible says God is from everlasting to everlasting. There is one. True God, and if you say, "Ah, oh, we're going to be gods," there's gods before us, and there's this this eternal progression of gods. That is a different God, and and that's not the same God. And by the way, He's physical because there's this physical relation with Eve, and to get their godhood, they had to become human beings. So Satan was, and and Jesus fought over whose plan was the best, or there was a a, a dis- or I should say, there was a a disagreement as whose plan was the best for salvation. But Jesus had us take bodies supposedly, so in taking bodies, you could be exalted to godhead, which is all part of the satanic lie, right? So Joseph or Adam had to have a physical body, or God did, and that's why the Father in heaven, and I'm quoting right now from Doctrine and Covenants chapter 130, verse uh, well, chapter 130, it says, the Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's. However, Jesus had mentioned, uh, John 4, 23, 24, I didn't know I was to go back to it, but I'm glad you brought it up, Chad. It says, uh, Jesus says, yeah, that t- the time is coming to the woman at the well in Samaria and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And by the way, this is pretty interesting because the context is how we're to worship the one true God It's very vital. Jesus says that's the true worship, to worship the Father's spirit. But they don't believe he is spirit. They believe he's flesh and bone.
1: And you know what's interesting? We've seen quite clearly how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are different when it comes to Mormonism. So obviously what Dallas Jenkins had stated I mean, it's dangerous enough to say Jesus, then it's a different Father, then it's a different Holy Spirit. But and now, we really haven't addressed yeah. the different
2: Holy Spirit. Uh, I did that actually just recently in one of my last, my last Wednesday on the Trinity. And it wasn't on the Trinity, it was basically on who is the Holy Spirit. But we can prove it's a different spirit right away, Chad, without even getting into that teaching. You know how? Because the spirit of Mormonism has testified about a different Jesus, a different Father. Therefore, it is a different spirit.
1: No, amen. And he will testify of who? It's he not the spirit of Jesus. truth. Yeah. It's not the... It's so not the spirit of truth. And as you mentioned there, when it's a, a spirit that didn't begot Jesus. Yeah. So it's automatically, it's a different spirit. A well, different a way, spirit.
2: we did address that. You're right. Yeah, we mentioned amen. that.
1: And so now we're going to address the idea of the ecclesia, the church. Mm-hmm. Because what Mormonism teaches is that the church completely and with totality apostatized and needed to be restored, according to Joseph Smith. And Joseph Smith is the restorer of the true church on earth. Does the Bible teach in a full and complete apostasy of the church?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, If a cult wants to establish itself as being the authority and being the one true church, which is what Mormonism tried to do. Now Mormonism has become more ecumenical. But in its earliest days, it said that we are the true church, and Mormons will still say that on, on many levels, right? but uh, it's kind of like the Catholics now. It's like almost like separated brethren, you know? Uh, so it's interesting when you look at Mormonism, uh, to do that, they had to say the total church fell into apostasy. Okay, after the apostles, a little bit of time went by and there was no more Christian church at a certain point and it had to be restored through Joseph Smith, the keys to the kingdom, the priesthood, all that had to be brought back and God restored the church with new scriptures as well through Joseph Smith. Of course, this is a huge lie, uh, but this is what cults do all the time. You look at a lot of other cults, they do the same thing, that the church was in total apostasy, uh, had to be restored through this prophet. In this case, it's Joseph Smith. Now, what's interesting about this is, is uh, because they've had some very strong statements calling the entire Christian church pretty much Babylon for some time, okay? And speaking of it being, as being Babylon, well, now they want to buddy up with professing Christians and say, "Hey, well, we're basically all belonging to the same church because they've changed their tactics even as they began to accept Black folks into the priesthood and things of that nature. They became more and more open to well. Now we're all the church in some way, or many of us are anyway. Uh, depending on the Mormon you talk to, but official Mormon doctrine allows for Christians to be part of uh, the kingdom of God in some way. Uh, so, uh, but it gets them in a pickle because what about all these statements you guys have made for the last almost you know 150 plus years about the church being apostate and you guys being the true church and the statement where. Uh, all the ministers are corrupt, and all the creeds are an abomination outside of Mormonism. So I was at a premiere for a movie before it went to the uh, before it, you know, was made public. Uh, several pastors were invited, and it was a Kirk Cameron movie years ago. And I was seeing what Kirk was doing at this time, and and what he was what he was espousing, you know. And I was invited, and I sat with a group of other pastors. There were several tables. Uh, it's like a buffet. We're everybody's getting ready to grab a bite. They're going to and then watch the film Uh, at a big church in a town that neighbors us. And uh, I sat down with a number of, you know, pastors and a couple pastors' wives. And as they said, introduce yourselves, everybody was saying, praise the Lord, you know, brothers and sisters of Christ, you know. And I knew a few of the pastors at the table because a few of them were right from, were from Simi Valley from where we're at. And it was quite interesting because one lady said, you know, she said, Hi, you know, I'm from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, me and my husband, and we're so happy to see you guys. Isn't it great how we can have differences among us, but we can, we have love among brothers and sisters in Christ as, as part of the church? And oh, I was so uncomfortable. I was so, ah, oh, so sad in my heart because I was like, this joy from, and, but you know, you don't know who's who, but all of a sudden she made it very clear who we are. And I couldn't be silent. I mean, I couldn't just sit there and act like we're all brothers and sisters because I feel like I'd be living a lie uh, through, and acting like that's the case. And and I had to say, and man, it became silent at our table. I said, hey, I have to say this. I say this because I love you, but I can't call you my sister in Christ and uh, because you and I, we have a different Jesus. You know, We don't believe in the same gospel. And I say this because if I didn't say that, I'd be disgenuine to you, and I wouldn't be trying to rescue you from what I believe is a false gospel. And uh, she said, no, well, we believe, have some differences, but we basically believe the same thing. I said to her, I go, do you still believe what Joseph Smith claims was revealed to him by one of the personages in one of his visions, where he was told not to join any of the sects when he prayed, God, show me what church to join. And he was told, don't join any of them because all of their creeds are an abomination and all of their ministers are corrupt professors. And I said, do you still believe that? And she said, I've never read that anywhere. I never heard that. And ah, man, I did want to say, hey, you know, you're being dishonest because the Mormons used to bring that out all the time. You know, Mormon missionaries would go to door to door and they would talk about how the church was restored and Joseph Smith's visions and what he found out when he prayed. So I thought, wow, it's hard to believe she didn't hear that. It was very uncomfortable. Then it was like, go grab your meals. I came back and then her husband was sitting next to me she was one person over. Uh, then I said, okay, I'm gonna give you both barrels of Jesus' love and his word. And we talked and he gave me his he gave me his card. And it was a public relations, he was a public relations agent for the Mormon church. I thought here, you know, he isn't always a wolf, but yeah, he's a wolf. And they're among the sheep. And I was kind of disheartened. I thought, who how did these guys even get invited here? What is going on here? And now you see this happen on a much greater level with uh Jenkins. So we have uh them saying that yeah the church fell into total apostasy uh, contradicting the scripture uh, but let me just you know and by the way you can read that in Joseph Smith's History of the Church volume one page nineteen where he states that's what we was have told that right to him. here on display actually yeah okay great and I, this is a, this is a really important quote because Joseph Smith said and this is this is a also a statement that he made in uh, volume six pages four hundred eight four hundred nine of volume six Journal of Discourses where it's recorded. And he says, I have more room to boast than any other man ever had. He he said, I can boast more than anybody ever could boast. He said, because I alone have held the church together. He goes, you know, Paul and and John and Peter and even Jesus could hold the church together. In fact, he said, I'm the only one that's done it. He goes on to say, all Jesus' followers ran away from him, but none of my followers all haven't run away from me yet. And it's like, wow, and that's volume six, Okay, I'm sorry, that's not Journal Discourses. That's volume six of the history of the church, page 408 and 409. And he's saying, I boast, you know? He's boasting, he's boasting. It sounds like Lucifer, you know? And by the way, Jesus has billions of professing followers, but hundreds of millions, hopefully, of true, genuine believers. The Lord knows, we don't know. It could just be millions. It breaks your heart if that's the case. We don't know everybody's heart. But uh, Joseph Smith has a minute amount of followers compared to Jesus, and there'll be a great multitude that no man can uh, can number come of the great tribulation group that know the true Christ? So we're happy to say that. And uh, Joseph Smith was a false prophet. I mean, when you're pitting yourself, Chad, if you started saying or I started saying, I boasted I did better than Jesus. I say, man, that's I'm sorry, bro. I love you, but that's your last show here until you repent. You know, <laughs> or you say that to me, hopefully, you know. And, yeah. No, you know? yeah so that's a- that absolutely sick. Ridiculous. It's demonic, and that's yeah. what he was about. It just sounds like Lucifer. That's and, the same spirit.
1: And you know, this is a really important distinction, and this is something that we had brought up is the fact that Jesus was quite clear regarding his church. And when Jesus makes that boast, he is the God-man making that boast. And the boast was quite clearly in Matthew 16, 18, that Jesus Christ would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And they are telling me that Jesus is a false prophet because Jesus made that that statement clear. And you're telling me that for almost 1,800 years, more than 1,800 years, The church pretty much apostatized and he really didn't uphold his church and really there really was no church that's calling Jesus a false prophet
2: absolutely Uh, by the way uh, Matthew 16 18 and these are the verses that and I'm glad you use that one Chad because that's the main go-to that I have when I'm talking to a Mormon And I bring up apostasy because they're taught to believe that the true church doesn't exist that way they have no place to go if they leave Mormonism and that gives Joseph Smith confirmation that God needed to rise up a prophet Well, in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church the gates of hell, hell will not prevail against it. In the Journal of Discourses, one of the uh, important writers states that the beast in Revelation chapter 13 overcame the saints, and therefore he prevailed against the church. And it's almost like a preterist reading as though this happened years and years ago. Kind of bizarre, you know? And I thought, man, you're making Jesus a liar. He said, I'll build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You're going to go with Jesus and say the gates of hell did not prevail against the church? And there was always a remnant, and you see, even among the Jews, when Elijah thought he was the only one left, God reminded him that there's seven thousand men, uh, Elijah, that have not bowed their knees to Baal. Okay, and you can get that mentality: I'm the only one left. And sometimes Christians are like, "Where's all the believers?" But the, man, we just did a, a, an awesome. Uh, uh, we went to, to you know, we just went to New York and met with three of our different live stream groups. What a blessed experience that was! And it's not was, and it was just awesome. Not only those on Long Island, and but in different parts of, of New York. But people from Philadelphia and people from uh, New Jersey and people from Texas and a lot of people we never met before. Most, I'd say, 95% of the people that I that we met up there were people that we hadn't met before. And these were truth lovers that said they got saved through our ministry uh, by coming to the true Christ, or they were involved in cultic belief systems or serious false doctrine. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. Wherever we go, and we we have something. We see a lot of people just come from those areas, and. and that really, really love Jesus. These are people that just get wind that we're over there. How many others, there's a lot of true Jesus lovers It always has been, and there's millions of them that have never heard of our ministry, I'm sure around the world, but love the same Jesus we love because they believe he is the uncreated creator of all things, the word that has become flesh. Now, another scripture too, along those lines, uh, uh, Jude chapter one, verse three, the faith was once for all delivered to the saints. How about Ephesians chapter three? Unto him who is able, in his verses 19, 20, 21, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or dream or ask or think, uh, glory to him be in the church throughout all generations. So he emphasizes the church will exist through all generations. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He goes on to say in the very next chapter that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, uh, till we all to the unity of the faith. Not for just 200 years, uh, and that we're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's why he vouchsafed through the prophets and the apostles uh, and, and the teachings of Jesus, the word of God, the scripture, uh, which has been around even in the so-called dark ages. The scriptures were still making their rounds and people were persecuted for reproducing it. But uh, the gates of hell did not prevail against the church. The church did not need to be restored because it never totally died. In fact, even the scriptures that they try to use in apostasy. Oh, look at First Timothy chapter 4. It says there'll be a fallen away. Yeah, let's look at it closely. Paul says in the latter days, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter days, by the way, the Holy Spirit speaks, says, uh, Holy Spirit says expressly that in the latter days, some will depart from the faith, some, not all, some will depart from the faith and give heed to seducing spirits and doctors of demons. And even in the very end times when the Antichrist comes, Jesus says many will fall away not everyone, and that's when the great falling away happens. It wasn't in the time where some were falling away. When the Antichrist comes, it will be a huge falling away, but still it's many, it's not all, and there's still that great multitude that no man can number.
0: You've been listening to The Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202 Simi Valley California 93062 or call us toll free at one eight six six J C Truth. that's 1-866-528-7884 we hope you'll tune in next time on the good fight radio show